There was a man who decided to take a hike by himself in the woods in the middle of winter. After hiking for some distance through the woods, the man found himself at the edge of a frozen river. His planned hike had him crossing the river, the frozen river, but he was not sure if the ice would hold him. Was it thick enough? Could it support him? So drawing on his dim recollection of something he learned in school, the man decided to distribute his weight across a larger area, so he got down on his stomach and he began slithering across the ice. He ventured off the bank and onto the ice, and ever so slowly, he, with great fear and uncertainty, made his way out into the frozen river, slithering and sliding on his stomach. About halfway across the river, as he made his way, he heard something in the distance that he began to recognize as singing and loud noises, people laughing. And then he saw a huge sleigh, a man and his family coming down the river, a sleigh full of wood, and they were just rejoicing. They waved at the hiker as he lay on the ground, and he decided to act like he was peering into the river so as not to embarrass himself and then as soon as they passed he jumped up and brushed the snow off his chest and began walking with confidence across the frozen river the third day he rose again from the dead that's how the apostles creed puts it on the first day of the week early at dawn they came to the tomb why are you seeking the living among the dead, the angels asked. That's how the Gospel of Luke puts it. Jesus Christ is risen today, alleluia. That's what we stood and sang as our opening hymn, full of uh, loud voices and a bold organ. The Lord omnipotent reigneth, alleluia, alleluia, and he shall reign forever and ever. That's how we're going to end the service, with Handel's hallelujah chorus. You can't even hear those words sung and played without standing up. And yet, and yet like the man on the hike at the frozen river, we more often find ourselves down low, and slithering on our stomachs and wondering if it's going to hold us and full of fear. We learned again this very week how fearful the world can be. This is how my friend, the editor of the Presbyterian Outlook, Jill Duffield, put it in a prayer in her, in her blog. And I quote, It's relentless. Bombs in airports and subways, no boundaries between combatants and innocents, everyone equally targeted for destruction, too many boundaries between nations and people, between violence and freedom, between haves and have-nots. The news this week, dear God, the news. And she continues, corrupt leaders impoverished and oppressed citizens, a few with so much, many with not enough, feet dirty and tired with no place to rest, food, shelter, peace, 
things people have need of that others refuse to give over. The news this week, dear God, the news, the news, dear God, this week. It's pretty hard. It's pretty hard to set aside our fears and our uncertainties. It's pretty hard to walk with confidence and joy and boldness when we keep getting hit by that kind of news. No wonder we find ourselves getting down and slithering and making our way, but just barely, oftentimes on our stomachs. It's likely, too, that other things urge us to get low, to distribute the weight to a, broad, uh, a broader space. It's pretty easy to doubt the support that's actually upholding us. Uh, this is how Susan Sontag puts it. Every one of us is born and holds dual citizenship in the kingdom of the well and the kingdom of the sick. Although we all prefer to use only the good passport, sooner or later each of us is obliged, at least for a spell, to identify ourselves as citizens of that other place. So whether we're in the kingdom of the sick ourselves today or our loved one is in the kingdom of the sick today or when we continue to deal with grief that washes over us or when we struggle with depression or carry around real hurts and burdens and anger or find ourselves less than we intend or less than God intends well well well, we're slithering along on our stomachs. And we miss out on the joyful affirmations that are over us this day. And we miss out on the singing and the walking with confidence. We miss out on the spring in our step that God intends us to have. We miss out on the fullness of life. We get stuck actually in the darkness. We get stuck in the tomb. And we remain captive to death and despair, and we probably even wonder, where is God? Where? When we find ourselves like that, slithering along on our stomachs, trying to make our way, well, we're in good company. Very good company. That's where the women were in the darkness on Easter morning. That's where the apostle Peter was even when he learned that the tomb was empty, he was still sort of slithering along on his stomach, so to speak, because he didn't believe what had been told him. Jesus wasn't there. He didn't believe it. So he had to run to the tomb by himself to see for himself. It takes a while for Easter to sink in. It takes a while for Easter to really become part of us and allow us to get up and move with confidence and joy. But gradually, gradually, Easter does change everything. And the Easter news intends to change everything. Luke is the only gospel writer who gives us a sequel to the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. The Acts of the Apostles, the book in the Bible that comes right after the Gospel of John is the sequel to Luke, also written by the one who wrote Luke. It's the continuation of Luke's story. 
Acts shows how in due time, the news of Jesus' resurrection actually took hold in the disciples. In Acts, the disciples are not the doubting, the questioning, the fumbling around, the falling asleep kind of folks, the fussing about who's the greatest. That's not the kind of group they are in the book of Acts. According to Acts, the disciples continue to do what Jesus had been doing. Just as Jesus called those to follow him, in Acts, they began to call followers of Christ. Just as Jesus healed, they began healing. Just as Jesus performed miracles, they began performing miracles in the Acts of the Apostles. And they preach, and they teach, and then they live into this kind of kingdom life where they share everything, they hold everything in common, and it's a new kind of community emerging. Easter changes everything. In fact, when we get to Acts chapter 10, there's a story about Peter and a man named Cornelius. Cornelius, it says, is of the Italian cohort. He's a soldier and part of the Italian cohort of soldiers. In other words, he's an outsider to the faith of Israel. But he is devout, it says, and he's a very generous man, this Cornelius. And Acts 10 reports all this, that he has an amazing experience of God. And in the vision, he's supposed to go and find Peter. Peter, the disciple of Jesus. So when we get to Acts 10, verse 44, this is Peter speaking to Cornelius and a lot of other people. Listen. Then Peter began to speak to them. Quote, I truly understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears God and does what is right is acceptable to God. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He's Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John announced. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. How he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with Jesus. We are witnesses to all that he did, both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he, Jesus, is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. This is the word of the Lord. Easter changes everything. Easter changes everything. For most of the Bible, there's this story of God and God's people, Israel, and how God chose them and how God blessed them and called them to be a blessing in the world. God gave them leaders and God gave them a king and then God gave them the land and then God gave them the temple and God sought to nurture them and shape them as a people of the covenant, save them, rescue them, make them his people so that they could be a blessing 
And then God sends Jesus into the world, the Messiah, to inaugurate the full kingdom of God. That's Jesus' mission. Jesus taught and Jesus preached and Jesus healed and Jesus helped people. The people see Jesus and they say, this is God, the Word made flesh. And Peter says, Jesus went about doing good and God was with him. And they put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him from the dead. The primary point, Easter changes everything. God does not just favor a certain people, Israel. God shows no partiality. That's his first word in this sermon in Acts 10. Anyone who fears God, Peter says, and fear here doesn't mean afraid of God. It means anyone who has reverence for God and reverence for the things of God, like Cornelius, the Italian soldier, reverence for God and generosity and devotion and compassion, anyone who seeks to trust God and serve God, well, that person is found acceptable to God. That's what Peter is saying. And more than that, the message, the message of life over death, the message of hope over despair, the message of victory over evil, the message of love winning out over hate, all depicted in the resurrection of Jesus who was crucified and buried but was raised. All of that, Peter says, is the gospel and it changes everything. Peter and all who come after Peter bear witness to this, share the news and live into the news. Easter changes everything. Easter gives a flavor and a focus to everything. God wins. That's the message. Love wins. Life wins. That changes everything. I love the way Peter puts it in this message. You know it. You know the message. You know the message he sent to the people. Preaching peace by Jesus Christ. You know the message. He's Lord of all. God raised him from the dead. You know this. This word message that he uses is actually the Greek word logos. And that word makes us think about John 1. In the beginning was the logos. In the beginning was the word. And in the word is everything. Everything in the beginning, over and through. There's God and God at work, the logos. So Jesus is the logos. He doesn't just... Uh, proclaim the Logos. He is the Logos. This is it. Peter says, you know the message. You know the message. The message is for us and the message is for the world. Easter changes everything. We often think of Easter as a noun. We often think of Easter today as a proper noun even, with a capital E. It's a day. It's a location on the calendar. We sometimes use the word Easter as an adjective. We're Easter people. We're called to be that kind of people, Easter people, people who live with life and love, serving God. Theologian and Bible scholar and one of my professors, Walter Brueggemann, makes the case that we should consider Easter a verb. The notion that Easter is a verb, that God is in the business of Eastering, of bringing life out of death, of Overcoming evil with love, of turning despair into hope, of raising from the dead, chasing away 
bad news with good news, burdens with hope, well, that changes everything. We cannot just look at the world as it is. We have to look at the world through the prism of God's Eastering activity in Jesus. Peter says, you know the message. You know the message. So that message is not just about Jesus being raised from the dead. That message is about our lives being raised from the dead too. Because Jesus lives, we also shall live. We said that in the call to worship. Because Christ lives, we live. That's good news. But that's not it all either. Easter means even more than that. It means, friends, that the petty things that eat away at us, the burdens that wake us up at night, the heartaches that we carry, the things that get us discouraged and tired, the things that drag us down, the poverty of our city, the pain on our streets, the mess of the political scene, the fears that make us pass bad laws and build bigger walls, ISIS and its terror, all that we can think of, all of that, all the complexities that haunt us and haunt our society, well, God's Eastering activity changes all of that. All of that. We want and need our faith in the resurrection, as fledging as it is some days, to spill over into our lives. We want our faith in the resurrection, as fledging as it is some days, to spill over into the world. We need our faith in God's eastering power and presence to inspire us as God's servants, as God's agents, as God's disciples who Bring about God's kingdom in the world. We're agents of love and hope and life and joy and power and promises. Easter, Easter changes everything. Some of you know the name Ann Weems. Ann Weems died this week. For the past 30 years or so, Ann Weems, a Presbyterian, has produced poems and liturgy that has touched the lives of many people. She wrote a book called Kneeling in Bethlehem, which is fresh insights and poetry about um, the incarnation, Christmas, Advent. She wrote another book called Kneeling in Jerusalem with creative insights and perspectives, few words that just say so much about Holy Week and Easter. And she had a way with words and few words away with words that conveyed a joyful faith and a sincere devotion following our God in the world. She was a gift to the Christian community. She was a gift to the Christian Presbyterian Church. And she's been a gift to my own journey, Ann Weems. My favorite poem from Ann Weems is one that feels so appropriate for this day. It's a poem that reminds us that all through the history, there have been those who didn't seem to hear the loud nose of life. Who, no matter what life dealt them, they kept getting up. They kept going on. Living with confident faith. Living with fortitude. 
Weems puts it like this. It's not so much a matter of strength as a way of seeing. Not so much a matter of experience, but how we respond to our experiences. No matter how trampled, how assaulted, how mocked we may feel, God's people have gone from crucifixion to the silence of the tomb and to resurrection morning. Hope can live because in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, we have seen all we need to see. Hope can live because in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, we know who has the final word. And gladly and thankfully and joyfully, it is God. It is God. There are some of you here in this room today who do not seem to hear the loud no's that come your way. Who, despite what happens to you, you keep living by faith. You keep getting up. You keep singing and serving with glad joy. You keep going and you keep giving and you keep loving despite what comes. Life is lived with faith. I've seen it from you. God's Eastering presence in so many of you. God's steadfast care and love embodied in your loving and living. This is so inspiring to me. And that's what faith is all about. Easter faith. It changes everything. This Eastering presence and promises of God. It changes everything. And you know what? This is all of our calling. We know about the empty tomb and we know what it means for life and for our lives. Life is lived not slithering along, hoping we don't fall through, not slithering along filled with fear and uncertainty. Life is lived with a bold and joyful confidence and more than that it's about how we live and what we do with our living we're to be agents of God in the world agents who follow Jesus in loving and serving as Jesus loved and served agents who work for justice and peace and God's purposes wherever we find ourselves that's in our daily life in our weekly life in our mornings and in our evenings we seek in the face of uncertainty We seek in the face of terror. We seek in the face of loss and death and heartache and peril to embody a joyful, confident, faithful, focused life following Jesus. So trusting in God's Eastering ways, may we live that way this Easter. This Easter and forever. Alleluia. Amen. Let us pray. You take on the darkness, O God, and you bring light. You take on death, Lord, and you bring life. You take on hate, Lord, and bring love. Your wonderful, eastering ways move us to deep, active faith this Easter and forever. We seek to follow Christ our Lord. Amen.